and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Alley. And I'm Michael Tabor. And Michael, what are we talking about this week? Well, we're going to get into a couple things this week. Uh, our biggest one will be a return to the reading series of Shitty Christians. I'm very excited. Uh, wanted to get into a little bit of what the Catholics have been up to. Oh, no. And as it turns <laughs> out, I know this is going to come as a shock to you, Zachary. It's theocratic authoritarian regimes. <laughs> You know, I feel like they've never done that before. It's such that's, a weird pivot. That's a new, <laughs> it's new Catholicism. So we're going to get into one So Rob Amari and his vision for a Catholic supremacist state here in America. Uh, you know what? That... You know what? The know-nothings were fucking right, okay? <laughs> On everything they ever said, I co-sign it. Yep. But especially their whole, like, the Catholics are going to come and try to do papism in this country. They're trying to do papism in this fucking country. I mean, have you looked at the Supreme Court? They have already done a papism in this country. God damn. <laughs> but before that, we, we need to take a moment to celebrate. Zachary, That's right. There were elections in America Tuesday night, and we are waking up and recording this on Wednesday morning, just surfing <laughs> through that blue wave 2021 right. victory on every front. Nothing go. Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> just kidding. Hang on. The news is coming in. Oh, they got fucking washed. <laughs> I... I think my favorite thing about these elections, which I hadn't followed closely up to this point. Neither had the Democrats. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> is that, like, I knew it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, in fact, I wish I had done it. But, like, if you had asked me, like, who's going to win the Virginia governorship, I would have told you. I would have bet Michael's life on it that the Democrats were going to lose. They were clearly going to lose. Uh, not only were they going to lose, but I think... As I investigated this a little bit more this morning, it became clear that they were doing everything in their power to lose. Uh, but yes, to cover it, uh, the big upset of the night, Glenn Youngkin taking down uh, incumbent Terry McAuliffe, uh, a man who is most notable, <laughs> aside from being, you know, your regular corporate sponsor, right. bullshit, yeah, 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 Casper yeah. Milkbread uh, Democrat, but also uh, being the guy that stood by the blackface dude. That's right. I was, well, I was like, isn't he the blackface adjacent not, guy? Yeah, he's blackface adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than having Warren blackface, but it's basically all of Canada in my mind at this point's blackface adjacent because they keep voting in the blackface guys, their PM. I wish that those politicians would stop campaigning in the blackface. That would be is it, a minor improvement. But is it more honest, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Terry McAuliffe, the guy that was like, no, I'll still take the endorsement of the <laughs> lieutenant governor that got kicked the fuck out for being a racist. Oh my God. Uh, what is that, um, the history of voice quote? It's not racist. It's rice related. <laughs> <laughs> That's a first history boys reference. That makes me happy. But of course, of mm -hmm. course, the anti-CRT yes. paragon rode that wave of paranoia and fear right into the governorship. And before we cackle yes. for a moment about yes. how right we are about everything and how the Democrats suck, let's take a moment to just pour one out for uh, the people in Virginia. They're going to be dealing with their own Ron DeSantis-style yes. personality politician who's going to make everything worse for them always. It's fucking disgusting, and it's sad. Like, it needs to be yes. said. It is funny. It's very yeah, funny. I, I, but it's also sad uh, because people are going to materially suffer yeah. for this. So, with that being acknowledged, ha! <laughs> <laughs> you fucking dweebs. You absolute losers. This is just what, Repub this is what Democrats do. Mm-hmm. They, like, Biden won the state by 10 points. 10 points? It wasn't close. No! It wasn't close. Those are, like, blue state numbers. That is, that is like, as good as you can hope for this side of, like, California and New York. It is, like, though, right? Like, that is, that's, like, uh, Washington. 
state. Yeah, no, that is you know, stolid. Right, that's like a state you wouldn't even really campaign in. That's Because right. it's like, oh, it's so blue. That's why Biden was spending all his time in his house. He didn't need to campaign. <laughs> he had Virginia. <laughs> but, like, truly. And then Yonkin, it's not a name, uh, won it by two full points. Uh, it's basically a D&D character. He's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm playing as a vaguely demonic I was going to say other kin, but I think that's furry related, not D&D related. You know, it's it's all something. Why is that in my brain? Yeah, no, that, I, I should be asking you that question. <laughs> the what? real question is, why is that in my browser history? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> that part makes sense. Uh, why is that in your Bowser history? Ayo. Uh, so let's dive into it a little bit. Yep. One of my favorite details as I was just okay. trolling the internet for yeah. hot takes this morning was that <laughs> Uh, the entire campaign strategy mm-hmm. for the Democrat was uh, orange guy bad. To the point cool. that, let me just walk you through this. They sent out a mailer that, yep. to any sane human being, anyone who doesn't have <laughs> like wonk brain, anyone yeah, who yeah. isn't part of the adrenochrome cabal, is clearly <laughs> just an advertisement for their opponent. Uh, they sent out a mailer. So they sent out a mailer. This is paid for by the Democrats. Yep. Right up top. Glenn Youngkin, Donald Trump endorsed. <laughs> okay. And then See? it's a series. It's Donald Trump's face and Glenn. And it's a series of quotes like Glenn saying, they said Glenn is just like Trump. And I said, thank you very much. And Donald Trump <laughs> saying, Glenn will truly make Virginia great again. And this mailer. Right. It's just Republican advertising. Yeah, it just seemed it, like I saw a picture of it because mm-hmm. you told me about it. And it just looks like a Youngkin mailer. It, it absolutely is that. It just happens to be paid for by the Democrats. And, and then you do like CSI zoom on the yeah, bottom exactly. and it's like, what? It's paid by Terry McAuliffe? Yeah. It is wild to me that they thought, hey, you know who that uh, unfortunately very popular politician who redefined American politics and is still a force <laughs> that we're going to have to reckon with in 2024 and yeah. for as long as his, mm. you know, artery corrosion doesn't take him first uh you know that guy uh yeah we should probably intentionally connect him to our opponent you know the funniest man in american politics it is (laughs) it's so funny it's demented it's so funny in the middle of biden being worse than trump like governing like like actively being either worse or same than trump in virtually everything Mm -hmm. to be like except for the fact that he's not as funny and compelling except for the fact that he took those damn horses away from those border patrol guys okay those horses were so racist though bro (laughs) you you weren't there but like what they were saying yeah it's not okay it was not okay there's something with like nazis we're moving on. <laughs> There's something, but uh, let's let's keep going. <laughs> I think it's so funny. It's very good. I think it should also be said that this is uh, this was entire election uh, was about critical race theory. It was That's so interesting to me. It was the major thing. By the way, we called that like a year and a half ago. Of course, we've been talking about this for a while. But Yunkin ran hard on the fact that they were putting Marxists onto Virginia school boards and <laughs> teaching our kids that it's wrong to be white. And I think what I really want to focus here is how ineffective Democratic messaging is in countering yes. that. Yeah. Because McAuliffe's whole thing was being like, Nuh-uh. <laughs> it's not real. CRT isn't being taught in schools. Which, congratulations, asshole. That's true. Here's your fucking cookie. Do you think that's really what they're on about? Yeah. Like, 
if yep. your entire response to that is just like, well, but that's not happening. Yeah, it's it's fine actually. Uh, <laughs> that is ineffective precisely because nobody actually thinks CRT is being taught in schools. Right. And, you know, maybe there's some you know yeah. hogs that show up to like sure. school board meetings. Sure, I'm sure there are people that are genuinely pleased, yeah. but no one that is pitching that narrative believes that is a problem. No. But what they know and what they're right about is that. Racial boundaries are being relitigated in America in real time. Of course. They learned the lesson of seeing us out there protesting. Mm -hmm. And they picked up that cause. And they know that this is just a new battleground that they opened very effectively mm. on the work for racial justice. And they're winning that war. It makes me really think of George Wallace, who is the single most interesting politician that ever lived. Sure. Uh, but before you know, he, he was had his redemption arc, he talked about how he ran on bridges and schools, and it never got him. But then he ran on N-word, 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 and it got him votes. Yep. And and that is exactly what's happening here. And it's evil and it's wrong, of to course. be clear. Duh. I just quoted George fucking Wallace. <laughs> and he's in hell now. Uh, George Wallace had a redemption tour. No, oh, he's in hell now. His redemption was fine, but it was a little too late. Yeah. What if he what if he has to spend a long time in hell and then maybe continues that redemption arc? So he's in hell now. Okay. All right, I accept those terms. Continue. Okay. All right. But yeah, it it just shows that like mm -hmm. Democrats don't get it. Uh, yeah, and I see this everywhere. Yeah. I see this all over Twitter. God, CRT is, isn't <laughs> happening. Yeah, duh. They know. Right. They know. But the, but they also know that like we are trying to fight for racial justice, and that's what this anti-CRT shit is about. It's about right. saying, no, we're not going to let you do that. We're not going to let you bring that into public discourse. It's not even about, really, the schools or the kids. They don't give a fuck yeah. what you're teaching their kids. They just wanted, they knew they couldn't fight that war in the streets. There aren't enough of them. They knew, they, you know, some, some of the Nazis tried, and some of yeah. them very effectively ran over us as we were protesting. Yeah. But, like, they figured out a way to get the moms on board. Yeah. Uh, for the race war and that's what this is it's just it's just a new front in the race war and like they are winning that war and democrats all because they are not actually concerned with racial justice right because well, they are not the powerfully responding and throwing their support behind black lives matter because democrats solution to all of this protesting was to increase police funding yeah it was all, for eric adams to become the mayor elect of new york last night that's right and like that's all they have so yeah. they can't stand in solidarity mm, with us no so they're losing like, and we're the ultimate losers because, oh, yes. you know, now uh, this fight gets even harder. Well, and the thing that, this is the obvious criticism, but it's still true, is like, you got Kamala up there doing the world's most awkward oh, <laughs> like, campaigning on behalf of McAuliffe. I might clip that. Tell everybody you know to vote tomorrow. Nothing like saying, you want to meet me tomorrow? What you, what you doing tomorrow? You got any plans tomorrow? Tomorrow's a good day. It's gonna be a good day. But the point is, it's so cringe. Ugh. But I, I think like you can't actually detach this from the Biden agenda. Like, no. and, and and the left and the and the sort of center right are gonna be yelling at each other about this. But it's true. Like Biden is getting nothing done. Biden doesn't want to get anything done. Biden is currently tanking anything that would help. If you want to, I I think it's actually a good segue from racial justice. What Bernie talked about, what the left talks about, is the most effective way to get to racial justice. Poor whites will be helped, but overwhelmingly, in terms of percentages, the people we're going to help are people and women of color by doing things like Medicare for all, by expanding uh, childcare. These things will help working fucking mothers. 
like poor black women, poor brown women, poor white women are the people that will help the most by all the things that Biden and Kristen Sinema and Manchin are cutting. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they can't even run on anything in Virginia because they're not doing anything. Yeah. There's nothing there for <laughs> like, them to have. They ran solely on Orange Man Bad. That's and it, so wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He's they, not around anymore. I miss him. Well, wait until 2024. But, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. But, he's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> the second coming. Um, the second pussy grabbing. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the title of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> stop trying to make it the title of I have edit powers. You know, you know what it reminds me of? Is it reminds me of when the Republicans were a little bit in the weeds trying to keep running against Hillary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of that. It's like there's Hillary's gone. Yeah. No, it is. It is really wild to watch this happen, to watch Orange Man fail bad. And yep. then, of course, uh, to see immediately these takes being like, well, the problems with Biden's just been pushed too far left. I know it was always going to happen. Yeah. And it ha- it's the ratchet theory. But, like, it drives me insane. Yeah. It drives me insane that, like, the centrist won. The centrist beat Bernie. Let's acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. In 2020. But, like, why do we get tarred within his failures? Like, well, yeah. shouldn't we be, like, let off the hook then? Like, fine. Y'all won. Leave mm-hmm. us the fuck alone. You got the Republican in the White House. Well done. No, it, it, it <laughs> is like... fully... Heads we win, tails you lose. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> there is nothing progressive that yeah. Biden has done. What are you talking about? Show me a single policy that actually genuinely speaks to that, like him having some sort of progressive agenda. But again, the answer will always be more centrism, more right pushing. And, and so it's really wild. This was like, uh, like the guy who does um, on politics for the New York Times was mm, tweeting about yeah. how people in the Biden camp were saying that he'd been pushed too far left, and that's why they lost. The, the only thing the man's been pushed left on correctly is his stance on Ireland and the UK, <laughs> and I will stand by my brave brother Joe on that. <laughs> but that's it. Like that's the man, it. the man is Mitt Romney. Like, uh, stop. Yeah, it, it's really gross. And I, I, there's two things I want to get to. And Zach, you've got one of them at yes. the end. But before that, <laughs> I need to put this in context of something else. So okay. we, we've talked about how the anti-CRT stuff is really just a way to try to continue um, oppressing black people. Of course. So, so too is everything in America. Yeah. That's, and, I mean, that's part of the reason why we don't have health care. Oh, yeah. It's ve- like very much because we didn't want to give health care to, to blacks. And so therefore, we are like willing to sh- throw off even 30% of whites so we don't help black people. Uh, like that's is, how much we hate black people. We hate poor white people with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. So, so much so. And there's a lot of historical evidence to suggest that social programs were much more broadly. Uh, enthousi- there's a lot of enthusiasm for social programs in the U.S., until the civil rights movement. And once they realized that black people were going to benefit from these things as well, then came the rise of the Reagan and the welfare queens and all of that. And it's not the same percentage, but greater numbers of poor whites would benefit. Like, I would have helped my childhood and my family immensely. That's why I bring it up. Absolutely. Like, I take it personally. It's a it's a real thing. But I want to also put this in the context of something that is actually happening yes. in the world right now, which is that people are striking left, right, and center. So we are much. seeing so much labor mm-hmm. momentum in this country. I mean, you got IATSE voting by 98%, 98% to approve a strike. Yep. You have John Deere workers throwing a second contract back in the faces of their management. After they got a big raise and all that stuff. Well, it was, it was, okay, I'm sorry. It 
ten percent versus you know five. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not actually saying they shouldn't have thrown it back, but yeah. it's like they got some, and they were like, no, yeah. do better. Yeah, no. Everyone after the second agreement, our potential agreement came out, mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh, okay, well, you know, this is yeah. this is pretty good, but and they were just like, nah, fuck you, man. You have <laughs> was... Healthcare workers striking all over the country. Right. You have Kaiser on the verge mm-hmm. of a strike. Uh, you just see it everywhere. There's all of this momentum around yeah. labor organizing mm-hmm. as we all sort of relitigate what it means to be a worker in That's the right. wake of a pandemic world uh, and an acknowledgement that it's been shitty for a long time before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are the Democrats in any of that? Uh, nowhere. Bernie, nowhere. always the exception. Bernie was putting you to the side. Sure. Um, not a single mention from any of the mainstream media or the Democratic Party, the White House, Basically, any elected Democrat politician. Yeah, you in, have. Including all the blue states. We live in the blue state in the Union. Nothing. Oh, yeah. No, it is absolutely insane. It's to me so wild. That we are seeing this complete unwillingness mm-hmm. for the Democratic Party to stand with the people that are doing things that would get them votes in elections. Like, <laughs> it's. How? How are you just flubbing this so bad? Uh, and we know why. We yeah, know, we, we talked know about that, it like you know, last week. Uh, Democrats, Republicans are both, you know, just different wings of the same corporate party. Yeah. Blah, blah blah. But even under the level of just the yeah. lies you tell to get elected, you should be down there on the picket line, Joe. Like, come on. I don't understand how you don't try to use the again. I know why because we talked about it. they don't want to yeah. win elections, but like it's so naked at this point. That's what's interesting yeah. about yes, it. Like it's exactly. so obvious they're it's, not even trying. It's not a genuine question of why don't they. We know why they don't. It's a genuine question of like how are you this obvious <laughs> in your bullshit? Of course you lose. All you can do is lose. You won the election and you're still losing. Like, you get Biden in the White House, it's another Republican presidency. Like, great, cool, fun. Mm. (laughs) It's fascinating. Which I guess leads us to, like, Zach, bring us home. What is voting? I... I think I think uh, I actually have the title of our episode here is Against Voting. Uh-huh. I'm done. I don't want to hear about it. I think voting sucks. I think voting is stupid in the American system. Mm-hmm. I don't want to vote again. I was right when I was 18. I, I was suspicious. I was like, oh, voting seems kind of sus and useless. And then I was hectored by libs for a decade to kind of get into it. And now I am back again to being right. <laughs> voting... Voting sucks. Voting is worthless. I'm not, I don't want to partake in it. I don't want to pretend like it matters. I'm not going to talk about like pending any elections anymore. I'm done because this isn't a democracy. So I don't need to pretend like it's one. I'm not saying voting in theory can't be good. Of course. I'm saying voting in the current system we have, wherein two parties that believe the same thing are running the show matters. It doesn't matter. We can stop pretending. I'm, I, I've looked at these elections and I'm sorry for some people's lives are going to be a little bit worse in Virginia, but it's just funny. It's just funny to see Democrats lose. I'm sorry. Like, it tickles me. Yeah. There's no point to it. There's no point to voting in this current system. And voting isn't going to get us out of this mess. Yes. I think that is uh, a very important thing to say is, like, what is voting? (laughs) Uh, Increasingly, to me, it is just it is a mirage that we are asked to buy into and fund and support. Uh, that we are get constant emails about. And at the end of the day, when it works, it doesn't matter, and it doesn't really work. 
Like, yeah. uh, when, when it works, you vote for a Republican. When you don't, they run another Republican. Yeah, and and listen, this is not all let failures of uh, the individuals, but let's take like Nithya Raman, who sure. is a person that we are really enthusiastic about. Of got on city council, actual progressive. That's great. What happened? Uh, Demo- or Republicans immediately mired her down in a recall vote that kept her silent as mm-hmm. uh, the LA City Council just totally criminalized homelessness in yep. the U.S. And, like, is that Nithya's fault personally? No, but it goes to the same point. Yep. Voting doesn't matter. You can put a good person in place. They're still never going to have the power that they need to do anything. Or, or that lady in Buffalo, that whole shenanigans yeah. with her just getting washed. Oh, yeah, just truly uh, vile shit. Like, I'm done pretending that there is a way for progressive politics to yeah. uh, exist in America through the electoral system, particularly yep. when we are looking at labor accomplishing yes. things that our political system can't. Yeah. Uh, Those is- John Deere the strikers have accomplished more good than any Democratic voter for the last decade, maybe more. Oh, yeah. Maybe 20 years. It is all we have is each other. And I am genuinely concerned at this point that, like, the mere act of voting, the pretense, the mirage, yes. the lie is enough to sap energy from the campaigns that we would actually need to do to improve our lives. I actually think that's a really good point. Yeah. That like it's a waste of time and money. That $15 that we all gave to Bernie could have gone elsewhere. Like, I love you, Bernie, but that's the last one. Like, But I think in general, there's better ways to spend your money and time. If I can have an aside to Bernie Sanders real quick. Please stop giving my email to other assholes. Please. Bernie, please. I'm begging you. I'm just, I've, I've locked so many and they just keep coming. Bernie, please. Bernie. 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 I like your mints. <laughs> Bernie, come on, shitty Christians. <laughs> no, but it's, I actually think that's a really good point. And I think that, like, there's kind of no way to view the current version of voting, yeah. in very heavy quotation marks, as anything but a continued op of the sort of, like, business class that runs things. Because, because. <clears throat> You have this notion like that that's where all real change can happen. You know, the, mm-hmm. the sort of like uh, that that line from that Aaron Sorkin movie. We, we, we have a revolution every four years, man. Like, yeah. But like that's it's it, it takes all of that revolutionary. We are demanding change energy and it puts it into something like Obama. Like mm-hmm. I was fucking there on the ground when Obama got elected. I had a ton of friends working in like on the ground for mm-hmm. that and he took gen a genuinely a moment that could have been pushed towards revolutionary change after the bush years and absolutely channeled it into nothing yeah right and and that time and that fervor and that anger after the bush years which you should people should never fucking forget was immediately shuttled into Rahm Emanuel killing black people <laughs> like that's not even really a joke no that's what not. happened mm-hmm. and i think michael is right that like Honestly, to vote in this system is just to take place in further corruption. It doesn't matter. It's going, they're going, like, because if the vote really mattered, Democrats would do something about it to protect it, but they're not. They refuse to pass any of that. So all that's going to happen is you're going to vote between one fascist and another. There's better ways to organize. There are better ways to organize. I, I'm not necessarily saying voting is immoral. Um, I, I'm not actually saying it's yeah. immoral, but it's, you're. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I, I think that's the main thing. And like, I will continue to vote particularly in local elections. Yeah, because sure. Blah, blah, blah. But I just, I'm done pretending that it matters. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I voted for uh, Gavin Newsom over the recall because mm-hmm. that had, would have been worse if I hadn't. Yes. The, the fucker 
the fucker made me do it, and I resent very much. But it didn't happened. make things any better. It kept things at the status quo, and I think that's actually it. Voting can only maintain the status quo. Yeah. It's never going to actually get you to a better world. And when you get a progressive into somewhere, there are a thousand other mechanisms yeah. to stymie and stop them. So even when you win, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Right. Um, we have to break the system. So vote if you won. Vote when it's when it's time. Yeah. But like, also, don't lie. Don't kid yourself. Yeah. Let's not pretend that anything better is going to happen this way. No. It, it's... If John Deere can give a few thousand people and the next few thousand people that take jobs there better conditions, that's done more than Barack Obama accomplished in his entire presidency. And let me tell you, if we're just looking at the history of political change, um, not just in the U.S., but abroad... Labor organizing leads to good things. Yeah, uh, it can also lead to bad things sometimes if the right people get in charge of it. So he, let's be careful he, about that here and there. Yeah. But uh, it, it change comes from the bottom up, unfortunately. It's true. Let's talk about a man who does not want change to come from the bottom <laughs> up. <laughs> this is interesting. This guy's been kind of like on the outskirts of my sort of awareness for a while. Yeah, this was my first time really delving in. Uh, he's popped up a bunch of places. This guy's name is Sorab Amari. Mm -hmm. uh, he is an Iranian-born immigrant. Okay. Whose parents fled after the revolution. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up in Utah. At 18, according to him, uh, uh -huh. was a communist. Uh, mm -hmm. But of course, <laughs> like every these people vote for fucking Bill Clinton one time, and they say <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, a communist. They're like, they 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 see marks on the shelf, and they're like, yeah. Uh, I think all of these dudes just retroactively attribute far leftism so that they can mm. you know grift off oh i learned the errors of my ways and hey that's gonna be our job okay <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're gonna have evidence so. <laughs> so he grew up in utah i fucking hated mormons uh he was sure. an atheist and a communist at 18 according to his bullshit but somehow by the mid-20s he had transitioned into a mainstream conservative editor at the wall street journal and he lived there for many years, not many, but like several years yeah. as just sort of you know your run-of-the-mill down the line pro-corporate conservative asshole but Something was wrong. What was something wrong? was missing. Something, missing was, something was life. a miss. Yeah. <laughs> and that thing was that he didn't have a man in a robe telling him how to live his life. You know, I'm always looking for a pedophile in a shadowy room to tell me what to do. <laughs> and so in his late 20s, uh, Sorab converted to Catholicism. This is so freakish. I know we talked about it a little bit, but like what's happening with these people? It's just like a psychotic break. Like, uh, did you take PSP, P, PSP, PCP at a party? <laughs> Love that console. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great one. But uh, what happened, bro? Yeah, I, there is nothing, you know, the the Twitter red flag yeah. meme. Yeah. There's nothing for me that is more red flags than converted to Catholicism as an adult. And I'm sorry to all of our Catholic listeners, but that's some sicko shit. Yeah, no, that's some Brunig Mamari shit. Like, and I just, I'm sorry, like, it leads to, like, insane things while being like, look, I don't know how I feel about theocracy. And immediately, immediately, you have to shoot them. I'm sorry. It's just oh, like... Yeah. And, and let's just be clear. That Catholic conversion directly yeah. inform, informed a political conversion. Yeah. From mainstream, huh. Uh, huh. you know, sort of conservative huh. bullshit <laughs> to far-right. Yeah. Yeah. Theocratic. Mm -hmm. And... What is interesting about this guy is, yes. one, he is a culture warrior. You have seen him mm -hmm. most likely because he is the guy that fomented all of that anger around drag queens at a Sacramento library reading children's books. Ugh. That was his thing, just stirring up the culture war pot over that. And then he got in a big old fight with David French. 
basically being like your respectability <laughs> politics conservatism doesn't work anymore you fucking old bowl of oatmeal which Ooh. yes Sorab, you are arguing with an old bowl of oatmeal congratulations <laughs> he's like this is war and it needs to be fought and it needs to be fought intensely uh okay and now all of that brings you to this reading series that i have for us today which is a conversation uh, uh, a, a real politic, a, a salon, if mm-hmm. you will, yes. between So Rabamari, Catholic supremacist, and none other than our boy, Ross Douthat. Ross, another adult conversion to Catholicism. Indeed. What Indeed. is with these people being in the highest trenches of these places? Weird. Like Brunig and Douthat and this guy. It's like, hmm. 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 Uh, our Catholic Wonder Boy is back, and I, I love this conversation. Because these people end up bickering like school children. <laughs> and because I needed to be able to take notes and have pull quotes, I'm reading the transcript of this. And mm. there are multiple times towards the end of this conversation where it just says, voices overlap. <laughs> to just let okay. you know. Okay, to goes. be fair. <laughs> I don't know if we should throw rocks at that. But, uh, but you know, if we if we step into the world of these men for a little bit, this is very much like a, like a team up with the, with the villain so you can take down the supervillain. Like yes. this is like Ross would be Spider-Man. This is. And, I wish they would commit suicide squad. <laughs> and uh, and and then Sorab would be like Black Cat. Like okay. oh oh he's he's the villain, but also there's a lot of sexual tension. Like that's the <laughs> thing that we're dealing with here. So like Batman and every villain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't wait for the new Batman movie. Oh, uh, man. Uh, I love our well, boy. That's All because right. of the sexual tension between me and yeah, Robert Pattinson. That's exactly where I was going with that. Okay. I'm going to read you the first paragraph of this, where Ross okay. sets the stage, and then we're just going to dive in. I'm excited. The last 15 years have been radicalizing for many American conservatives. The collapse of George W. Bush's presidency undercut conservative faith in the wisdom and capabilities of the Republican Party and its leaders. The Great Recession and its long opioid-haunted aftermath sowed doubts about the direction of American society and American capitalism. The rise of a youthful and militant progressivism has created a sense that America's cultural institutions, and maybe the entire American future, have been captured by the left. I would do anything <laughs> to live in the world that these people and Biden think that they live in. Yeah. Where, like, the far left is fucking doing shit. Yeah, it's it's in there. Uh, you know, we, we Manchurian candidated Biden in to enact our communist regime. I swear to God, Bernie would if he could. Bernie has, like, tried the surgery on Biden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Ber- Bernie has personally attempted to MK Ultra Biden. 100%. <laughs> like, but mostly that involves him just being, Joe! Joe! <laughs> just yelling at him. Joe, come to the lake house! <laughs> Joe, I'll make you some cookies. <laughs> and it just hasn't worked. If, if this ends with uh, Biden falling out of a window because he took too much LSD at a retreat with Bernie, we will know that Bernie did everything he could. Really? <laughs> it's just... It melts my brain because they are actively trying to gaslight me. Yeah, well, and, and because they, you know, this is the classic Ross thing. Uh, say two true things and then yep. and then a lie. And, like, he's not wrong that <laughs> yep. the conservative, you know, the failures of George W. Bush helped create this next stage yep. of the Republican Party. Like, that's all true. Yep. That's all things that, like, We've not just about. us, but his liberal readership and, and the conservatives that agree with him can all be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you just slide in that. Oh, you know, the militant left. (laughs) Because of the militant left. (laughs) And we will see this tactic used by both men all the way through this. Uh, But let's get to Ross's introduction. So he says, 
Sohrab has become a fierce critic of the Republican Party as it existed prior to the rise of Donald Trump, a champion of right-wing populist leaders like Trump himself and Hungary's Viktor Orban. Hmm. Oh, that guy. Interesting. That, we'll get to that in just a second. That that Nazi. <laughs> and then this is this is his description. And one of the smartest minds trying to forge a coherent alternative to the late modern liberal order. Oh, come on. So, yeah, that's an interesting take. Come on. <laughs> uh, one of Sarab's biggest things is actually supporting Viktor Orban. Uh, Zach, tell me a little bit about Victor. Uh, Victor Vic. <laughs> Victor Orban, with just as a sort of very, is, is the sort of very right, right wing leader who would call himself a populist, but is just basically a warmed over fascist who has said tons of anti-Semitic shit, who has like used fascist iconography from the second world war, who is like not just drawn a hard line against immigrants, but like gays, culture war shit, anybody who's different, uh, and is basically beloved by ethno-nationalists worldwide. Yeah. So Victor Orban, like his most prominent thing is probably his anti-gay crusades mm -hmm. that are extremely religious in their intention. The gays yep. are ruining your family. They're coming for you. This led to a voting referendum that happened, I believe, early this year, maybe late last year. But like, and it, thankfully it failed, but it was essentially attempting to criminalize the act of being homosexual in that country. Yeah. Uh, Really scary, full-on fascist shit. And briefly, because this is where Eastern Europe is headed and Russia, but it is the United States' fault because yes. after the fall of the Iron Curtain, we just stole all of their money. There was no Marshall Plan for Eastern Europe or Russia, which is what they expected when the Soviet Union fell. They were just pillaging. Yep. And so this is what happens when, when that when that when that occurs. We raised the fields, and these are the weeds that grew in them. Also, very very briefly, a fucking course. An immigrant from a country like Iran or fucking Cuba or all these like all all these people from that run from these revolutions, not all of which are good, have the most reactionary fucking bullshit beliefs. And w here here's something that I <laughs> He's never basically anticipated. Basically, a Cusano. Fuck this guy. One hundred percent. And let me just say. I have never said a nice word about Ross, <laughs> and I'm not about to start now, but he asked some interesting questions in this article. I wish he was stupider than he was. Let's keep rolling. So the first thing we get to is, of course, his conversion. You got Ross as a Catholic, of course. And this is one of the reasons I really want to talk about yes. this because his faith informs a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so essentially he asks him to tell the story and he talks about leaving the after the revolution mm -hmm. and, you know, being in Utah and seeing these Mormons and not loving it, being yeah. an atheist, and then being this very successful sort of secular mm -hmm. guy. And then he goes, but there were questions that my worldview didn't answer. I mean, all along, I should say, I had begun to read some books. I had peeked into the Bible. <laughs> to which Rossi Boy, just cementing himself as an absolute hog, says, the forbidden text. <laughs> the most printed book of all time. Like, the first book printed on a printing press. The forbidden text. The thing that we created the printing press to do. The all-time most printed yep. book. Mm -hmm. The forbidden text. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I'm a Christian, uh -huh. but fuck off. <laughs> I'm a Christian, which is how I know that Christian persecution doesn't exist, you absolute cretin. Uh, uh, I'm not, oh, what I, oh, you're so interesting and original. You moved to a Christian country and became a Christian? Oh, cool. Good job, dude. Wow. You're so interesting. Isn't it fascinating? <laughs> and then we're going to get, and I'm going to, there's going to be more reading than I want there to be in this, but I think the words yeah. that Sorab uses are interesting here. So he's searching, he's flirting, as he said it, with evangelical uh, and, uh, and God Anglicanism. There we go. Uh, he's what flirting if, with evangelical Anglicanism, but then he walks into a Catholic church. 
He said, but then I walked into a mass at the famous Brompton Oratory, which is a church very famous for its traditional liturgy. Mm -hmm. In this particular mass, it all clicked. The romance and beauty of what happens on the altar of the sacrifice, but also the tradition, the continuity, and the authority of the Roman church. Uh, I'm so... First of all, this is all of you Catholics. I can't fucking deal with you people. <laughs> but that's what he was... He's not responding. He doesn't... He's looking... He's not... That's what he's looking for. Yeah. He's not looking for true religious belief. He's not looking to touch God. He's looking for some dudes in robes and swords who are talking about a return. As, <laughs> it's like, as it turns out, tradition and authority will be major components of everything So Rev has to say from this point. But it also d- d- betrays a lack of knowledge of the history of Catholic Church if he thinks continuity is part of it. Yeah, I know, absolutely. Oh my God, dude. Do some reading. Like, ser- the history of the Catholic Church and just the church yeah. is literally just the real housewives. Like, it, that's all it is. The it's real sexier. housewives Rome. It's way sexier. <laughs> it's just men bickering with each other constantly it's basically succession <laughs> if the people on succession were evil <laughs> yeah if you if they weren't likable yeah. and uh and so that's so funny oh, when he said that but i think he he absolutely lampshades his own issues when he says tradition and authority and then he says and by the time the mass end i ran over to the priest's house banged on the door and told the first priest that opened that i wanted to become a catholic dude this- that's so lame. That's the origin story, baby. That's it. It's right there. A middle-aged man having a quarter-life breakdown because he's too rich and successful doing bullshit politics. He realized mortality existed and went to the nearest pedophile's house. <laughs> yes. Okay. But then we have the awakening. So now he, he's, okay. he's had his origin story. Mm-hmm. But what is his first act? This is Spider-Man taking down, yeah. you know, the guy, the thief. Like, this is, this is your first act. And what does he do? He writes a book. God damn it. (laughs) Okay, all the Catholics reading, it's a problem. (laughs) He writes a book for his son because he's worried that his son is going to grow up in this meritocratic liberal Uh, order and just be empty and successful his whole life. Yeah. You know, he's like, he even says, he's like, you know, we're upper middle class. My son's not going to get hooked on drugs. Even if he fails, he's going to fail up. But I want him to have meaning. And he writes this book. I I need Persians to be a little bit less on the nose. (laughs) And so this is Ross talking. He says, The book starts with a very arresting vision, a fearful vision that you have for your son's future, like you as a member of successful secular meritocracy. What haunts you most about your son's potential future as a success? Sorry. Just so good. So, Rab, the impetus for the book, the immediate impetus, was there was an OK Cupid campaign in 2018. What's that? <laughs> What's up? This man, this moral titan, the man that converted to Catholicism so that he could do what? Write a book about an OK Cupid campaign. I, uh, you know, I'm beginning to actually think you don't understand the country you moved to after all. <laughs> and like many of the more recent ones, there's been some controversy on Twitter, at least, because it was incredibly vulgar. It was like polyamory, like openly advertised. I've lived most of my life in big cities. I really don't think I'm a prude. Nevertheless, I couldn't help but imagine my son asking, you know, what is some of this stuff? It's kind of BDSM even. And I thought, why do I find myself in a civilization in which my child has to ask me what BDSM might be? The first and only time I will say this, bro, I need you to assimilate better. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Why do I find myself in a civilization? Bro. Bro. Here's the thing, Zach. He did assimilate better. He assimilated into a Catholicism. God damn it. (laughs) I've been 
trying to fight this crusade. <laughs> the Papists are coming for they're us, They're coming Zachary. for us. They came for our Supreme Court. Now they're here. They're at our doorstep. Now they're writing about commercials. Uh, they're yes. too comfortable. Just, I just can't. That's the thing is like this man can, as we'll get into, say some like semi-intelligent things yeah. about the failures of liberalism. And then in his next breath, he describes the complete moral downfall of America vis-a-vis OKCupid These people, ads. not just Catholics, though, also Catholics. Catholics and evangelicals cannot. It's always the same thing. The, they want to talk about the fall of America. And I want to talk about that, too. That's what this podcast is about. America is fucking falling apart. We are dancing on the grave. And I am, like, constantly being like, we should give people health care in houses. And they're like, it's always about sex. It's always about sex. It can't, evangelicals and Catholics, it can't get over it. It's always about, I think some people might be fucking that I don't think should be fucking. Dude, who cares? So here's the thing, Zach. <laughs> okay. So Rob agrees with you. Mm. And this is what I want to get to because I think So Rab is a fundamentally ridiculous yeah, person. Yeah. He's out here yelling about drag queens and okay, Cupid. Like, yeah. you don't have to take him seriously. But here's So Rab's proposition for right, you. Continue. No. What if you could have health care and we could have no gays? Why do those things have to be attached? They don't, but he's trying to attach them. <laughs> Now, obviously, that's horrendous, but we'll get to how he uses economic populism mm. to try to smuggle in social conservatism. Okay, so he's big mad at the OKCupid okay ad, so he <laughs> writes a whole book. So lame. And one of the big things in this book is weird, weirder even still, the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And in the Sabbath, Sorab is able to create his whole Don't vision. be Polly on the Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pick, one, pick one person. You, man. Uh, and he talks about how, it, you know, we had laws in America, blue, mm -hmm. blue laws to keep people not mm. working on the Sabbath. And then we got rid of these religious institution laws. And what do we have now? We have Amazon. We have Jeff Bezos benefiting from the end of blue laws. We no longer have rest built into the laws of our country. Mm -hmm. And so now Jeff Bezos profits. And the fucking annoying thing about this is he's half right yeah of course it's half right it's a, it's a strong half point it's a it's half a point and it's it's dangerous because that half is good that like what he's equating religious tradition with worker protections and that is a false equivalence yeah but he is not wrong to point out that worker protections have been stripped away yeah and i i we both have some thoughts as as we go on about what he's talking about so let's let's press forward yeah so so i think as he talks about the Sabbath, I'm going to read this longer quote that I think really just encapsulates the whole game. And then we'll get into Rossi and Sorab bicker and kiss. All right. <laughs> what I detest and what I've devoted my career to is critiquing a certain brand of conservatism. And Ross, you're familiar with it as well. And you've criticized it too. But a conservatism that says that marriage rates are down, so bad. People aren't having kids, so sad. Oh, church attendance rates plummeting, terrible, but in the very same breath promotes economic arrangements that, that are bound to corrode things like family, things like community, things like family formation, because that makes because it makes it so much more difficult. Ooh. Ding, ding, ding. It's interesting, right? It's extremely interesting. So he's pointing out something true. Conservative politics strip away uh, the safety and economic well-being of people. Well, yeah, and that's because if they, any of these people had read it, knew their history, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going insane because the entire world's a historical all the time. Constantly. Uh, but, like, yeah. The Republican Party is a wedding of two factions that aren't necessarily, and in often other Western countries, 
together. You've got sort of the traditional conservative religious people, mm -hmm. and then you have economic rightists, libertarians. Those are two different groups, actually. Yep. They just have managed to align their interests here. But the thing is, is that like if you view that as kind of like a top-down economic thing, the economic interests of, in heavy quotation marks of that block erase the all the cultural and filial bonds that are there. Capitalism corrodes everything. Capitalism mm -hmm. will corrode things that even the awful racists get right, like family and community and heritage. That can be good. It will corrode everything. You know, not when it's wedded to just whiteness. He's he's brown. I know, I know. But yeah, it will corrode everything. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that like what ha what this guy is just doing is reinventing fascism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what <laughs> we're going to get to is that he is full on a fascist. Yeah. But he is playing an interesting tactic. Because the Brunings talk about this. This yeah. is just a <laughs> coincidence, maybe not. But like it's a it's a pop. It's there's people on the left who talk about this as like the way to help families and family values out is economic populism. Yes. Uh, the Brunigs are also fascists. Yeah, Confirm. That too. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to read this next paragraph. Tell me if this uh, starts out sounding like Bernie Sanders or not. People, and we were talking about the Sabbath, but there are many other examples of this. People are harried. There's a precariousness baked into American life. We are told to be an entrepreneur of the self and be a gig worker, but also health insurance only follows you through regular employment. So what if you get sick? The kind of conservatism that pays lip service to these things that we care about, but pays no attention how we how we are able to live that kind of life uh, is not something I have any interest in. That's really interesting. It is. It is interesting, and it's dangerous. I think it's incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so what this, uh, and he goes on from here, uh, but what you see here, in that sentence he's talking about economic populism, we need health care. He is literally arguing for universal health care, not just here, but yeah. later in the article. And in the next breath, so that we can enforce traditional family values. Right. And when you hear that, just here, uh, we're going we're gonna to put gays in prison. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, and if you think that that's going too far or being uncharitable towards Sorob, uh, he's a fan of Victor Orban. This is literally <laughs> the game plan. There will be no abortion. Gays will be in prison. And, and, and that sort of culture war from the right will, will just continue. And <laughs> so much, this, this man is a culture warrior that has figured out that all he really wants is the culture war. All he really mm. wants is the social convert. Yeah conservatism and so he's been able to break from the other traditional libertarianist right. you know pro-corporate you know no regulation mm. side of conservatism and says like hey we will give the people their bread and then we will make sure that the people look how we want them to and i think so rob's not as bright as the person that will probably manage to fuse this yeah but i think that's the future of the right and it's really fucking terrifying because capitalism doesn't work for anyone mm -hmm. right it doesn't work for anybody except for that like small let's even say let's let's go bigger than usual 10 to 15% of people kind of at the top of things with corporations yeah that's it so at some point everyone's going to have to turn on it and they're just going to reinvent national socialism and that's that's not good in a system like ours that won't fight against that. Yes, I, I think here's the thing that you know we just talked about: the Democrats eating bit, <laughs> yeah. eating shit, orange man bad. It's all they got. Yep. We talked about how they failed to connect themselves to a labor movement that's mm. happening, and here you see a theocratic fascist actively courting those labor concerns. And this is not just him; like he is the mm -hmm. button down, can still be yeah. written about in the New York Times mm -hmm. like version of this. But this is full on the Nazi play. Yeah, like the Nazis since about 2018 realized mm. that they had already sort of soaked up all of the people that they could fully get on board through just out and out white supremacy. Yeah, and especially in the wake of uh, uh, 
fucking Charlottesville, mm. when their PR was kind of bad on the race shit, they made a very conscious pivot. And I'll point you guys, I've said it before, but I don't speak German, covers this really well, to using the language of economic populism to try to yeah. draw people into out-and-out racism. Uh, and this is just taking that and abstracting it one layer mm-hmm. from just out-and-out white supremacy to traditional family values, yep. which is the same thing. Like, <laughs> just Let's just be very clear yeah, that course. like whiteness is centered in all of this and the fact that so rob happens to be of iranian descent is just part of a long playbook of like the lieutenant governor in north carolina a black man that is upholding white supremacy in his state like this is nothing new diamond he's he is an iranian diamond in silk yeah here's why it's dangerous not just because it's going to be more effective because capitalism is a failing institution and will continue to crumble Mm -hmm. what is we are not fighting what we're really hoping to fight for is what we replace capitalism with. I truly believe that. Oh, yeah. No, that I, think, is... I think we're losing, but that's, that's not the point. But here's why it's also dangerous. Because people are going to take a deal that gives them bread and health care. And if we don't give that to them, they will get it from somewhere else. And I'm not saying that makes it okay. I'm not saying people who get on board with an ethno state are good. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying not every individual does it for the worst reasons. If you don't have a fucking college degree and somebody's like, hey, I care about your family, here's some health care, we have to fucking give them an alternative. Yeah, oh, absolutely. We have to, or they will correctly take that deal. And so what we're talking about here is is not so much Democrats and Republicans right yes. now. No. Let's let's view SORAB as the future yes. of the far right. The, mm-hmm. the literally the rise of like theocratic fascism. Yeah. Like that is what he would like to create. We'll get to it a little bit later. <laughs> so if we take that and then you take us on the left, genuine mm. communists, people that yeah. don't just believe in reforming capitalism, want to provide the needs for workers, want a more equitable and just future. Like these are the futures. And both of them are making the same play of we will make your life better. Yeah. And the problem is that I trust the Republican Party to collapse into that more fascistic populism a lot quicker than the Democrats will do it. They already are. They already are. Donald Trump is the step towards this. Well, Donald Trump flirted with that's that's yeah, what I mean. In yeah. especially pre-election, mm-hmm. especially in that yeah. run-up, as he he flirted a lot with economic populism. Now yeah. he got in there and didn't do any of it because he was Trump lying. doesn't care. We know, we know. But that means his voters are already open to it. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> and like let me say, it wasn't nearly as much a part of his 2020 plan because, yes. and I think that is a critique of what I'm saying right now is yeah. that like yeah, Trump could still win without that populism. True, but I still think the future is one of these sides will take up the banner of economic mm. populism. We will yep. do it for either uh, socialism or barbarism, to be frank. Yep. But I trust the Republicans will collapse quicker and know that their interests are better protected uh, under the fascistic regime than the Democrats who will fight for their donor class to the dying breath and will lie through their teeth yep. about the state of the world as we are already seeing happen. Yeah, because Democrats are wedded to capitalism and Republicans are willing to take capitalism to its next stage, which is fascism. Yeah. That's the Republicans difference. are wedded to power. Democrats yeah. are wedded to uh, capitalism. Beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So I think in saying that we have fully explicated what this man is. So now we're just gonna have fun with some of the All details. Right, you know, like <laughs> let's get into it. So Ross pushes back on him. He says, "Hey, hey man, okay. that's a lot of economic populism you're talking. We got this Bernie Sanders guy right here. <laughs> he seems to say a lot of those things. Why aren't you on his side? I like that. Come guy. on. That's yeah. an interesting. That's an interesting yeah. question. It's a good, uh, it's a good question." And now we're going to get to Sorab sort of floundering a little bit. <laughs> uh, because he says, he says, listen, listen, you, you see these progressives and you think they really want to help people. But just <laughs> underneath the surface, uh, 
you find that they're just mm. reinforcing the neoliberal order. And he's like, I'll give you an example. Okay. Police abolition. All right, bro. Yeah. Yes. I think the idea of abolishing the police, well, you know, I see that as just one more type of neoliberal privatization. Uh, and then Ross says, so where the end game of police abolition is rich people have private police and poor people don't have any protection. That's what you mean. And he goes, yeah, you see it over and over. The promised liberation ends up working out as a kind of new and worse tyranny than the authoritative structures that it replaced. That's nonsense. As if, as if all the abolished the police people didn't have a plan for something to put there instead. Exactly. Like he's and basically it, saying like, hey, they just want to get rid of cops. So there's nobody there to help you. That's it, like not the plan the at all. It's the most weak critique of like, oh, they just want Mad Max and who's going to win the Mad Max world. And it's like, well, no, we want to do a lot of things. <laughs> Fuck you. And also we want to get rid of rich people at the same time we get rid of cops. Yes. Dude. Dude. <laughs> my guy. Yeah. Uh, These things go hand in hand, bro. Yeah, and, and that is one of the one of the challenges, not problems, but challenges with abolition is that it is a societal movement. You can't yeah. just do the police thing without doing a lot of other things. And that that is hard. That it is it's fundamentally a, yeah. a utopian vision, even though I think there are a lot of very simple practical steps yeah. that abolitionists fight for. Uh, let's take a moment actually to shout out, I believe it was Philadelphia that got rid of uh, very, very minor traffic stops. I saw that, which I appreciate. And I, I think if people aren't fully keyed into it, they don't understand how important mm. that is. Oh, it's but huge. it is taking a tool out of the hands of police that for my money is just as important as taking guns out of their hands yeah. because tag lights, expired registration, mm, yeah. uh, a, a, a faulty headlight, like these are all things that cops could use pretextually to stop and harass people constantly. And they do it endlessly. Uh, and it allows them to target black people. It's the classic thing. You're always breaking some traffic law. So just taking that tool yeah. out of their hands is a meaningful change. And that's what the abolition movement fights for. It fights for incremental as it fights for to, uh, total change. And this will be the last nice thing we say about Philadelphia on this podcast. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I like I like steak. <laughs> okay, fine. They have one thing. <laughs> it's cheese and steak and bread. And onions, peppers. It's pretty good. Good. I'll get the food in Philly's legit. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. What I think is so interesting is there's a fairly trenchant critique yeah. here. No, it's actually a good question. Uh, and then it's immediately followed up by just absolute claptrap. <laughs> uh, and, and I think it exposes the yeah. fact that this is not an intellectually serious person. It's a shell game. But it's interesting that the shell game has one good point, and then he just props it up with tons of bad ones. Uh, let's move forward. Uh he says, he's finishing up his uh, liberation thing. He says, yeah, this promised liberation ends up working out as a kind of new and worse tyranny. You cannot say that after the wave of university cancellations that we have seen in this country, that we are not living in an authoritarian state. I feel like I can say that. Yeah, actually. because that doesn't exist. No or one... we live in an authoritarian state because of all the cops, but continue. Yeah, so he, he's, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, and so then Rossi pushes him on his vision. He says, okay, okay what is your platform mm -hmm. and uh soran says the platform that would, that would emerge would be shockingly familiar to anyone who is familiar with the christian democratic tradition in europe the goal would be look it should be possible for a family to live an ordinary life of virtue for cultural normality to reign once again and notice hmm. how five minutes ago we were talking about health care but now we're talking about a life of virtue and cultural normality 
I really want to push back on the Iranian immigrant about normality, <laughs> but I'm going to leave it alone. Yeah. What do, what, do the, what do we think those terms mean, Zachary? When somebody says cultural normality. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good. No, Nothing I mean, what it, um, you know what it means. It's, yeah. it's just it's a dog whistle. It's, it's not even a good dog whistle. It's, no, it's, it's and what I think is so interesting here is let's connect this mm. and his vision for a Catholic supremacist state to lots of other people that we've talked about. This was um, this was Brucey Boy too. Oh yeah, Brucey Boy wanted this. This return to traditional values. Bruce is just even stupider. Yeah, yeah. Bruce is a, a, unequivocally a dumber version of this. But this is the same shit. This yeah, crosses party lines. Yeah. Catholics and evangelicals united under the desire yeah. to make gay and trans people's lives harder. And just under that. Only for white people, although yeah. Sorab will be, you know, paid to say otherwise. Yeah. It's Christian national, theocratic Christian, theocratic Christian nationalism. It's all these people want. It's what so, they've wanted the entire time we've had this podcast. Ross pushes them on, okay, but let's get down to brass tacks. What's the first thing you do? Porn. Wait, what? It's always sex. I fucking said it. It's always it's sex. It's always sex with these people. It's Can you just sex. care a little bit less about the fucking? I'm just begging you. He, Sorab has. In my day to day life, I'm an extremely boring vanilla person when it comes to sex, but I'm begging you. I don't give a shit about other people's. I'm begging you just to start there. Yeah. Uh, Sorab does not start there. Sorab uh, <laughs> has the zeal of a newly converted youth pastor conference <laughs> for their anti-porn crusade. And he, he pulls out all the stops. He brings up human trafficking. Mm. He, he brings up, and he believes that this is a broad consensus, that in yeah. a post-Me Too world, we can create a cross-party movement mm. against pornography, that like we, we that the sexual revolution is the thing that set us astray, and it just allowed white men in Hollywood to rape with impunity. And you know what? He's wrong to blame it on the sexual revolution because white men were raping with impunity for a long time yeah, before that. Exactly. Uh, but he's not wrong that like a certain version of 70s sexual revolution was used to justify a lot of really sus things totally. about uh, you know, age of consent, mm -hmm. uh, blah de blah. But then he just immediately goes into, so we need we need to stop all porn. That this yeah. is all exploitative. He gets to the next one, abortion. <sighs> And what comes through here uh, so clearly is that Sorab doesn't... Don't even have any new ideas. <laughs> Sorab doesn't want to talk about these issues, though. That's what's so interesting. That's his sleight of hand is these are the only things Sorab cares about is family, tradition, values. But he doesn't want to talk about it. He wants to talk about the economic populism because he understands that he's trying to smuggle this yeah, in that's what people want so he just actually. sort of hems and haws he goes hey you know listen it's it's gonna be a fight it's a it's a profound squarely political question it would be part of the agenda but i don't expect to win over many people uh on it and so he goes yeah i mean it would be a socially conservative agenda but it's the economic component where it would cause a lot of tears at the heritage foundation and the wall street journal editorial board and like you see that pivot right back to yeah. like uh it's it's the trojan horse a thousand percent. It's because it's the only thing people want. I think what's so weird about the current state of things, the hegemony, is that everybody, I think it was every candidate but Joe Biden, to briefly bring mm -hmm. it back to the Democrats, said they supported some form of Medicare for all. Yes. Like, and, and like, you even now you're even hearing the right talking about this, and you hear Joe and all of those people lying. That's why they're able to you say, like, oh, we're worried to attack too far to the left, but lying occasionally with stops to the left. Because... Everyone knows, even if they don't stand for it, economic populism, economic 
leftism, let's just say it, call it that, is popular. It's the only thing people want. And so now you have 30 different people saying they're going to do it and no one's doing it. And, and it's driving happens. me insane. <laughs> Losing my mind. We have the winning strategies in front of us. Yep. But that's not actually the team we work for. And we're the for. only one who wants to commit to it. And they're like, they just stole the words. I'm so mad. <laughs> and so then Ross brings up what I think is another interesting point. Okay. He said, hey, you're talking about this return to traditional mm. values. But, mm. you know, the modern Republican Party, like, they're pretty anti-censorship. They don't like being told what to do. If you go back to this previous version of we need to be moral, upstanding citizens, yeah. the modern Republican Party is kind of the fuck you party. Mm. Like, they're kind of the like, eh. Mm. And, uh, they're kind of the grabbing by the pussy party. And then, and then Sorab kind of loses his mind. <laughs> being like... You don't get to talk to me about censorship for my shit because Hunter Biden. Which is interesting. Okay. Because Sorab works for the New York Post, which published a lot of the Hunter Biden stuff. Yeah. And we here at Shitty Christians are Hunter Biden truthers. Yeah, like, of course we are. 100%. There, that laptop is real. There was child porn on it. And Hunter, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and he was getting paid off. And, yeah. and the corruption is absolutely there. Oh, yeah. That's and, the stance. Uh, and so he's not wrong to point out that, like, this story got buried by other parts of the press. Oh, yeah. Um, and Twitter and shit like that. Yeah, absolutely. But that's all he can point to. Yeah. Uh, like, he just, like, he says, hey, I don't think the conservative, modern conservative movement mm -hmm. is necessarily going to be here as much for like your very conservative moralized version <laughs> of uh you know morale or social morality and he goes fuck you hunter biden and it's like well you're making a point it's just not a point that's in any way related yeah, like social media big tech censorship is a thing yeah of course i lose mutuals on twitter every week because someone gets their account nuked for yeah. saying we should parody somebody um, <laughs> like i'm a familiar it was very funny to me when my conservative family members freak out about social media censorship and was like yeah dog i've have you seen left Twitter? Like what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no, my numbers vary every day. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I'm losing, I'm losing my friends left and right, man. I'm pouring it out constantly, <laughs> constantly. Kombucha everywhere. <laughs> uh, and then he says something interesting that's not totally related, but it's interesting. He says, I think that serious social conservatives should attend the material base of society. In other words, we should take seriously the Marxist insight that cultural phenomenon that we decry have an important material component to them. Not to be vulgar Marxist and say that all cultures are reducible to economics, but that there's an economic underlying component to the culture and to take that seriously. It, so I would absolutely lead with the economic. This guy's scary. I yeah. actually see like... I know he himself is just going to like be ensconced at places like the New York Post and and various yeah, yeah. think tanks the rest and, of his and, life. Uh, and you know, like he's he's so ridiculous. He's he's the drag queen guy. He wrote an article about how like Kamala Harris being president and and our <laughs> intelligence community got too woke because we were exclusively hiring people with gender identity issues and like just he is fundamentally ridiculous. But this shit is scary. This shit, yeah, I. I predict a lot of things on this podcast, and they're always right, so I'm hesitant to do this, but I just think this is the future of the right. Yeah. Because at a certain point, it's this, or the populace will kill all of you. Yeah. yeah so, like, it really is, like, we things are so bad. We have already seen that the, Republic, the top of the Republican Party is not very good at controlling its base. Mm -mm. Uh, they're, they're, their base is votes for them still, currently. Yeah. But like, but they discipline them. They they hold them to a harder line than the Republicans yep. that are just there to make bank mm. off you know uh, weapon sales. Yeah, uh, really want. They push them. Yeah. the base pushes the Republican Party further right. They didn't want um, Trump to win. They, no. they they got on board, but they yeah they, they fell they fell in line. But the base made them fall in line. Yep, 
and and so I think this will be a very popular next move. Yeah. And and it's scary to me that a theocrat is quoting Marx saying we need to attend to the material concerns. Semi correctly. Yeah. Like a theocrat because like it's funny when Bruce talks about Marx because he fucking misunderstands it. You can listen to every previous episode of this podcast to me yelling at Southern Baptists mm -hmm. for calling Marxism cultural. So funny. So funny. Always funny when they basically think Marxism is a pride flag. Mar Marxism <laughs> is, is when equus. Like, yeah, <laughs> but they think that. Yeah. And that's so funny. But this is actually more dangerous because he understands what Marxism is mm -hmm. because he wants to take a little bit of it like we have to feed people and then is like also then we have to use that to run our Nazi program. Yeah, and sooner That's or later danger. sooner or later here's what's scary is that all of our politics is the culture war currently. And right. this man is a culture warrior. He's sure. in that fight. Of course. He's not just saying we need to attend to material concerns. He is actively in the culture war conflict, but he is already taking a, that next step to material considerations, and he's already in the culture game. Yep. And that's why I think the fascists are going to win. Yeah. Straight up. Oh, by the way, the fascists are definitely going to win. I mean, they're currently Maybe winning. Maybe communism will win after that, but the next step is fascism winning. I am sorry. <laughs> it's just happening in real time. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Undeniable. You, you're watching it. <laughs> uh, and then he says an interesting thing about law. Okay. And this is where you see the other half. He says, it goes back to Cicero, to St. Thomas. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. I know. He says, where they say that the law is a teacher, and you don't inculcate virtue in a population as a statesman in the classical frame. You don't do it merely by exhortations to virtue. You know, oh, please, be behave better, so on and so forth. You use the law to create virtue because it has the power to coerce and discipline. Mm. First of all, I want to make a joke about how Rome, known for its yeah, yeah, traditional yeah, yeah, Christian yeah. values, yeah, but that totally. is that is terrifying. Yeah, no, this is a, this is a man that absolutely believes in theocracy, that absolutely wants an authoritarian state mm. to say, "Here's your food, don't be gay." Yeah, I mean, he's describing this is so lazy, but medieval Europe in many ways, mm -hmm. which is so pathetic. <laughs> like, but it's you know, it's it's sort of a mix of Nazism with. But you know, if if uh, it's Catholic fascism, let's just call it that. Yeah, and it's fucking terrifying. Um, yeah. So, and then they start bickering. <laughs> There's at least that. That's uh, nice, it, and it's kind of fun. Uh, Ross points out, Rossy boy points out that like, hey, uh, you keep talking about how a liberal and undemocratic this you know cabal of media and news mm, and big corporations sure. and the democratic government is, but like. Didn't Donald Trump kind of try to steal an election? Like, <laughs> like okay, and, all and, right. And Rossi spends like to be clear, if this yeah. comes across as Ross coming across well in this, uh, he starts every sentence with "Look, I agree with you, but like, <laughs> like obviously fascism, cool, yeah, I love it, obviously, but like let's tone it down a tiny bit. Like Ross's whole thing is that these men are fundamentally on board, and it's so rad that goes. I actually think we're more far apart than you think. Amazing, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, but but you know. Southett properly points out that, like, didn't ultimately, and mm. obviously, you know, the Democrats stole the election, blah, 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 but, like, didn't he kind of try to get the vice president to, like, mm -hmm. do some shit? <laughs> and, uh, and Sorab just goes on and on about how, like, oh, they're trying to turn January 6th into 9-11 and, like, look at all the, like, elites and all their censorship and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, and then Ross is like, but do you think Pence should have done that? And he's like, well, I think our team should have won. He's like, that's what I care about. And I'm not going to be precious about this 
democratic norms being followed. Ding, I want ding, my ding, team to ding. win. And I'm paraphrasing there no. because it's a long and I've already read a lot of long quotes. But essentially what he's saying is like, listen, this is about power. He's like, I want to help people, but first you have to get power. So if you got, if you got to break a few democracies to get there, what's the big deal? And he, you know what? He's not entirely wrong to point out that our democracy is already a failed yeah. institution. But I, I he is openly saying we should overthrow any sense of democratic norms, get our people in power and enact this role. Democrats May I mention that this is in the New York Times. This yeah. was this was an audio interview. The New York this Times was, will always platform fascism. Of course, of course. <laughs> and not only that, it's on Ezra Klein's podcast. Like, so, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah. <laughs> Ezra Klein being like, "Hey, my good, close, and personal friend Ross Douthat interviewing a fascist." Here we go. New York Times paper. Democrats record. are wedded to capitalism, and Republicans are wedded to power. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, Ross pushes back on this a little okay. bit. He goes, "Hey." Here you are uh, arguing for a popular uprising to reinstill traditional mm. values in America. Uh, didn't you flee a country where a popular uprising reinstalled <laughs> traditional values over a corrupt uh, westernized regime? Uh, and that's pretty trenchant. That's got some heat. It's got it's got a little teeth. Yeah. Uh, and all all that Sarab can really do is be like, oh, it's not the same, you know. Uh, like, listen, you're not wrong to point out that America is different than most other countries' backgrounds, body blah, blah. But like, yeah, it's a little bit the same. But it's all it's kind because of you actually world. actually you are trying to pull. There's some irony into him fleeing the mullahs and becoming the Catholic mullahs, yeah. and, and uh, I think that's a little funny. It's. Very interesting. But as Sorab twists his words and blah de blah and tries to make this show, and this will be the last thing I quote, he said, he says, his lesson from the Iranian Revolution and is not that he's trying to do a second one, but mm -hmm. rather liberals need to be careful with the kind of politics they're pursuing, how careful they should be with forgetting that there is yearning for tradition at least among some parts of the American populace, that they view toppling all their heroes and establishing new ones. They view this as a sort of anti-historical iconoclasm. They view it as invasion. And that's that's functionally, you know, they bicker, they yeah. end up saying nice things at the end. But like... That's the meat. That's the nut, though. But in the big thing that he's going for, he's like, listen, my people view you as invaders, and we're going to come for you. All right. So... Really, it's a race to overthrow the American government first, huh? Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. Honestly, like... <laughs> it's like, who gets there? I mean, the Republicans are going to get there first, just a spoiler. But it yeah. feels like that's what the stakes are. Yeah. Our, <laughs> our fight is not ultimately against Democrats or Republicans. No. Uh, they are the falling orders. Yeah. They are evil, and we should call them out. We do constantly, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It's not wrong to point out the evil and terrible things that they do. But our actual fight is going to be against these guys. Uh, Everyone I, knows how bad we have it right now. Everyone knows how precarious uh, American life is right now. Everyone has been through unemployment, sickness, yeah. death of friends and relatives. Everyone mm. sees yeah. openly how much violence there is in the streets. Uh, but you have this guy, Brang, that we need a, a return to authority, tradition, and the uh, establishment of morals through law and power. Yep. And then you have the commies arguing on Twitter. <laughs> And it is a race to see which one can take the throne. I, yes. I think let's let's put it in a more hopeful context. Let's not do the shitty oh leftists on Twitter. Let's talk about labor organizing yeah. and strikes. Let's bring it back to that. Yeah. Say like, That's hey, true. we have an opportunity here. All is yeah. not lost. We see workers fighting for mm -hmm. their rights and not doing it because they secretly want to execute 
everyone that doesn't look like them. We have a chance now here to build on that labor organizing and create a more just and equitable future. But understand that the populism is coming. Yep. And we are in a fight to see if we can get out in front of that and claim that for a world that is actually better instead of fascism. No, that's that like that is actually it. Yeah. It is labor-based socialism or fascism. Yeah. Those are your two options going forward. It really isn't Democrats or Republicans. I don't care if you vote. Sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not. Yeah. But those are your actual two lanes, baby. Uh this is our future and and what is chilling to me is that Sarab is not a particularly bright guy. He's, sure. he's, he's educated. He's well-read. Yeah. He's able to, you know, yeah, yeah. reference St. Thomas and Cicero and Aquinas and whatever These guys else. fucking love yeah. that. Uh, he, he's <laughs> got the, like, you know, that sort of uh, vaguely yeah, Ivy yeah, League yeah. bullshit. But <laughs> he is able to go immediately from Fox News talking point, braying hog mm. shit, just the most classic, like, oh, the drag queens are coming from our children, <laughs> to we need Medicare for all. And that's a dangerous combo. And somebody smarter than him is going to pick that up mm. with, and run with it. Yep. And I genuinely think that this, like, uh, the Marjorie Taylor Greens are not the people we're ultimately going to have to worry about. It's not the Q wave. It's the people that learn how to tone that down just a tiny bit. Yeah. How to get that base in for something a little smarter and a little more populous. Uh, and it's not going to be anyone that's in the Republican Party right now. But it's close. And this man is the canary in the coal mine for the rise of that movement that is already hollowing out our institutions. Oh, of course. Um, but it's coming. Yeah. Uh, so I have nothing to add to that other yeah. than to say, uh, better form a fucking union. <laughs> <laughs> so with all that said, guys, take a deep breath. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm- take care of yourself and your people as best you can. Support others. Uh Build community. Go on strike. Take nothing less than $20 an hour. Get Fuck laid. the bosses. Uh, Get laid. Yeah. yeah no, live, live your life. That's right. You've all got right. to. With all that said, my name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor on Twitter. My name is Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. Follow the pod at shitting underscore pod. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you in two weeks.